1: Everybody, welcome to Saturday Morning Serial. I am Dan Grimshay, and joining me, as always, is Marquis. Hey, hey, Marquis, I'm back. Ooh, I was. You
0: stole the remote last week. I did. Yeah. You've you got no say at all. <laughs> no. I'm not sorry about it. But you know, I did watch that movie, and it was damn good. Yeah, right.
2: Yeah,
1: I liked it. Did and you should like it. Yeah, we both watched it. We loved it. Uh, unfortunately, and by the way, we're talking about Convergence. Convergence. If you listened to the show last week, you know the story. But unfortunately, we, it didn't really fit into any of the conversations that we were having.
0: No, we tried.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We and wanted it to. We, and, had,
0: and, we, we had some good conversations, but it, we just, it, it was not fitting. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't,
1: it wasn't a part of everything we're talking about, but regardless, I... I'm not I'm not sorry that I stole the remote. I, yeah, and I think I, I the world <laughs> needed to know about this movie. It was I totally awesome.
0: agree. I I totally agree. It was it's a very 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 good movie. Yeah. And uh I'm a huge Clean Crawford fan. Oh, well, good. Yeah. Good because I talked to him. I know. I know uh, uh Jericho is awesome and I, I you know I I would have liked to have asked him a couple things. I think you covered that really really well. So, good job.
3: Oh, no, um, see, I'm but, glad you're
0: not angry. Yeah, uh, and For those know, of this. you that haven't heard this one, uh, Shay here took over the show last week, and he put out a show all by himself. Uh, we were celebrating the movie Convergence. He talked to Clint Crawford. Um back to Dr. Drew Hall. Drew Hall. Did, it
1: anyway, awesome. go go get Convergence, yeah. just to double plug it. <laughs> but we're back. Yeah, okay. Here, yeah. We, are. here we are today. And uh, you know what I say to you, Mark? What's that? Le na vanima. Leva vanima. What does that mean? Uh, You know, no, that's uh, that's I I just said you are beautiful. Oh, thank you. Elvish. Oh, of course. Not even a real language, but actually, it is a real language. It's real. You know what I'm talking about? Elvish. It's a Hobbit. uh, The Hobbit. Tolkien. Tolkien. Yeah. Tolkien made the entire language. It's an honest to god language.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He actually got together with not
1: because there are elves, but that's that's the from the Lord of the Rings from the Middle Earth Mm -hmm. saga. Uh, and that is an example of sword and sorcery. That is why we're here. That's what I want to talk about today: mm-hmm. sword and sorcery, or by extension, I would even say Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, you remember that in in school? I played a little Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know if you ever did. We I never really did. talked about it. I never did. And uh, it, it's uh, that's that's like the stepping stone to appreciating. Things like Lord of the Rings, uh, and that which is all on fire. Even though the Hobbit tried to put it out,
0: still <laughs> it's right. That was still some boring shit. <laughs> still some great movies, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, and of course Game of Thrones, uh-huh. huge, huge phenomenon. Absolutely, and uh, countless other movies. And I, heard- I, I couldn't even tell you how many books and comics and stuff have tried to ape that formula. It is so hard to do though. Most sword and sorcery is I'm gonna say it, it's just pretentious garbage. It's campy. It's at best it's campy, yeah. except that usually whoever's writing it takes it so seriously that they invent a whole world, entire languages, a whole geography, yeah. and then by the time they're done explaining it to you,
0: you just don't care. But it's a it's a real slippery slope. Um you <laughs> Uh, you were telling me a, a cool little story about what your dad had told you. Who yeah, is a, yeah, Who Who is a dean of, of an English department at a major university in New Mexico, the University of New Mexico? Yeah, not not, <laughs> not to put you on blast. Sorry, Pops. But, uh, but yeah, I mean. Yeah.
1: And, it, well, okay, here's the here's story, and I have to agree with him. I think mean, he says it just right. Uh, now, before I say this, let me say he loves. Uh, Tolkien. As we he all do. He loves the, those books. He mm-hmm. thinks the guy's a genius. And as a writer, the guy really is. Uh, but my dad has, uh, he's retired from teaching now, mm-hmm. even though he still does it because I guess he's bored. But uh, one of his side jobs is to review books for a publication, which I don't want to get us in trouble, so I won't use the name of it. But this uh, this uh, publication is uh, well, very well-known, very established, and they recruit people to anonymously give very small reviews on books that are being published mm-hmm. so that they can uh, you know, sell it to publishers better or make blurbs for the back of the book, et cetera, and so forth. So for like 100 bucks a pop, he gets manuscripts sent to him. He has to read them and give a quick review, and he loves doing that. But as soon as he signed up for this, uh, I think he was recruited by an old student or something. He said, fine, I'll do. I'll read whatever you want to give me. Just please, please, no sword and sorcery, Dungeons and Dragons. I don't have the patience for that.
0: And he actually said sword and sorcery.
1: Yeah. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. right. that is like an established literary genre, which is very hated. But at the same time, between George R.R. R. Martin and J.R.R. R. Tolkien, there are good examples among a lot of bad.
2: Right, right.
1: So – The editor says, all right, fine, I'll make an exception for you. You won't have to do any. However, that editor apparently uh, uh, retired not too long ago. New guy comes in, not knowing the deal, sends my dad a 1,200-page, I think it was, uh, (laughs) manuscript about elves. About elves, <laughs> his whole world, uh, lock for lock, lock or whatever the uh-huh. elvish word for total garbage is,
0: uh-huh.
1: and he's
0: you know, he, lock, lock, That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Sounds, that sounds Good. about right. You're gonna look it up, nerds.
1: Uh-huh. But uh, so so he has to read all of this, and he's committed, so he's gonna do it. But he's blowing off steam, and he's telling me about it. He's like, I can't. I can hardly make it through this. This is so pretentious. It's poorly written, mm-hmm. and he said it's. Uh, he says it's the laziest kind uh-huh. of writing I because know that. anytime you paint mm. yourself into a corner you just you invent a magic amulet <laughs> yes, or, or the or the ring of the specter or something and suddenly boom you're out of the problem yeah. in a narrative sense he's it's he's so he he did do that one but he <laughs> also attached a note to the editor said please never again don't send me this now i i bring up this story to say how hard it is to work in this genre. Yeah. And it is so fun, I think, for people who write
0: it, but it's difficult for readers. Yeah. It's so easy to to cheat your way out, yeah, of a plot device. Exactly. Yeah.
1: There's there's no science behind it because well, there's sorcery involved. Exactly. There's magic and you and can always invent something new in this world. Yeah. Now, understandably, I think it's pretty fun to do. That's why I that was my favorite part of playing Dungeons Dragons. Mm-hmm. I know you haven't done it, but let me break down to uh, to everybody listening. If you don't know, when you play Dungeons and Dragons, ninety percent of it is creating a character. Yeah, you get a little sheet, you get to fill it out, you get to decide some traits, you roll the dice. A there's few a dungeon times, master. There's a dungeon master, and everybody's basically setting up. Mm-hmm. All this crazy story is the funnest part. I made, I don't know, 20, 50 Dungeons & Dragons characters when I was uh, in in middle school. I never finished one game of Dungeons & Dragons. (laughs) It's like Monopoly. Yeah, we would spend all day making up this character and then talking about how cool it would be if you could shoot lightning bolts and you're really good with a bow and arrow, etc. Never really played it, though.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, because it's so fun to, like, make up worlds in your head where everything is... uh, it's got seven vowels and three, you know, apostrophes in the middle of it. it
3: it's,
0: I, it's this wonderful device that unlocks an immense amount of, like, imagination. Exactly. Right. So it's so good for the it's creator. so good for the creator.
1: But the better it is for the creator, it turns out usually it just becomes worse for the audience. It <laughs> just stops. You're, you're like, I'm not inventing this world. You've got to stop. And do, Now, apparently there are geniuses.
0: Right, but, but it's... it's Like I said, Tolkien, Martin, I, a couple
1: others. I think others. The, uh,
0: the actual structure of it, it kind of lends itself to being lazy. Whereas yeah. if you are... And this highlights the differences, which we've talked about on this program before. Mm. The differences between science fiction and fantasy. Exactly. It's basically this right now. Mm. With science fiction, you have to have a scientific basis for where the story is going to go. Whether it's science that exists now or the possibilities of the science existing in a future, Star Trek versus Star Wars is science fiction versus fantasy. Yeah. Period.
1: Real uh, science I, fiction isn't going to have
0: a prophecy in it. Correct. That's a dead giveaway. If, there, you're, if you're
1: reading a story where they say "there's the prophecy," well, boom,
0: you just even to fantasy. Even in something, um, even something that is like really, really, really simple, um, there's. Uh, I don't know if it was on the. VHS release, or the DVD release, or the Blu-ray release, but in the Phantom Menace, which is uh, episode one of Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars! Oh, Star Wars. Okay, yeah, I yeah. think I've heard of that. Yeah. They were, they were, they were talking about how um, the designers were talking about Watto, you know, which is the uh, he owned Anakin Skywalker. You guys oh. all know Watto; he was the little blue creature, and he had like these dragonfly type wings. Okay. And he would just hover around. But he had this huge gut. Yeah. Okay? All right. And the designers were just like, you know, uh Lucas wanted him to fly around and like the designers were like, Oh yeah, but he's got this huge gut and he's got these little tiny wings that he's just kinda of floating around. And Lucas just goes, Oh, well, his belly's full of this gas that's lighter than air. Boom. There you go. Done.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. That's Great why he's example. floating around Drowns Lucas to make up all these worlds. <laughs> yeah. And he's just good enough to get us on board so we get excited about these new worlds. Whereas the average person making up <laughs> this kind of stuff, it is hard to care, let alone follow along.
0: Yeah, it doesn't um fantasy allows you this kind of freedom. And in the right person, and I believe it's Lucas is one of these people, you know, it can be, it can, it can unlock amazing possibilities in storytelling and, you know, Star Wars is awesome. And yes, we found another reason to talk about it in this, in this, in this show. When done loosely, it can be like your, like your dad is saying, it can be cheap. It can be easy. It can be uh, amateur.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's more like watching someone else have fun than actually having fun yourself. Yeah, yeah. And it's that's just so hard for the audience. But it's a shame because like I said, when you get to when you actually put yourself into that kind of mode, that headspace of inventing this world where anything could happen, it's great for you. You know, if I'd written a really bad sword and sorcery book, I would I I would be so excited, but at the same time I would be too embarrassed to let anyone read it. And hats off to all of you at home writing a sword and sorcery sure. manuscript right now. You never know. You could be the
0: next great one. But take it with a grain of salt. Well, I think it's also um, sword and sorcery fantasy. Uh, these stories, these archetypes are very, very well established, probably more than any other genre. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's you don't really get to do a whole lot of other things except play around with these With these set pieces, which is which is why Dungeons and Dragons is such a perfect game, as I understand it. Yeah, it
1: it involves you
0: exactly. Versus you you play with this chess set. Exactly, you have these pieces, and it's up to you to apply the pieces into this, you know, very loose structure. Yeah, and sometimes it's done really, really, really well. Give you know the the original Lord of the Rings trilogy was incredible. Um, and we saw it at its best. From what I hear, games of uh, uh, Game of Thrones is is like this. Yeah. When and I was a kid. I will say that is great storytelling. When I was a kid, I remember my dad taking me to see this movie called Crow. Oh, I remember. That's another good one. Wow. That was amazing. Um, Never-ending story. Amazing.
3: Yeah, that was You know, it.
0: like, it's, there's... There's just all these amazing examples of great fantasy,
3: yeah,
1: swords where and you sorcerers. can invent a whole world that mm-hmm. is just got. I, I, I've talked about it before. I'll talk about it again. But I love the the Conan the Barbarian comics. The be, well, some of the best. I grew up reading yep. those, and that's exactly the same. There's a whole invented world, and there is magic, and there is you know guys in loincloths swinging mm-hmm. giant broadswords. Why swords. not? Hot, hot chicks. Oh, everywhere. In every, every brothel. Every. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're right. And, and that's something that, uh, it's always going to speak to me, but even though I'm a fan of, of that kind of thing, when it's done well, mm-hmm. I take it with such a grain of salt that given the choice, I would avoid any yeah. any kind of sword and sorcery, book, movie, et cetera, if I'm not going to be a part of it. I'll play... Uh, Video games with that edge. I think it's great yeah. for video games. The that's Elder fun. Scrolls yeah. and stuff. Yep. I mean, a lot of uh, uh, role-playing games. Zelda, for example, another work. good one. Yeah. You know, that's a little different. As an active participant, I feel a part of the world. And I love to see how you invent it. Uh, now, you may be wondering why I'm sitting here bitching about sword and sorcery so much. It's uh, This is not a negative piece. No, because we're fans. uh, We found something that actually works in this and plays with it, though, and plays with it. And and and, well, okay. let's just cut to the chase. There's a movie called Dudes and Dragons Mm -hmm. just came out. Go find it on. uh, You can find it on your iTunes. Actually, uh, it was released on March 1st. So March 1st, find it right now. So you can get out there. You can you can be watching this Mm -hmm. instead of finishing this episode, though. Please, please hold on a little
0: bit. (laughs) Give us a chance.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's a great movie. It is sword and sorcery, but it is not a big Hollywood. It's not Peter Jackson. Mm-hmm. They don't have a $500 million to make an epic. But thanks to advances in technology, they took a very small budget, a green screen, a very funny and actually entertaining script, and they made this whole world where we've got, well, dudes and dragons.
2: Yeah. And you've the,
1: got wizards. You've got magic. Yeah. You've got evil. And, you have wenches. and jokes
0: and side gags and references. And
1: exactly. It's it's so. If you watch the trailer, you're gonna think it's a parody. You're gonna think it's like a like a naked gun. It's got titty twisters. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, you have to watch the movie because it's not. There are other, It's silly. It winks at itself. Yeah. It's silly. But it's, it's silly. still. It still delivers a good story, yeah, and it absolutely. still keeps you watching. But the only way it kind of kept me in my seat was by saying, "All right, all right, all right." You know, we know this is all kind of goofy. We know this is a lot for you to swallow, especially without you know a CG that's never been seen before, and Andy Circus acting like a dragon lizard or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's so all ridiculous, here. isn't it? So we're gonna laugh with you yeah. while we tell you a good story, right? And that's what they do. Yes. Yeah. So so good. And it, I was and, cringing when you said we were going to watch this. I was like, "Oh God, all right." Let's,
2: well, and I'll, it, I'll, it I'll also put on my has. i nice
1: hat and I'll watch this, and I was so
0: pleasantly surprised. It, it it also stars. It leads off in about with about five minutes of Luke Perry, which is really funny. True, and it and we're happy to present to you the uh, amazing uh, genre defining. James Marsters, who actually Grim here and, our, and Johnny Heck and even. the Ghost of Johnny on. Heck makes an appearance mm-hmm. and you guys actually got a chance to talk with him. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, we chatted with
0: him a little Buffy, bit. Buffy the Vampire Slayer's um spike. Mm-hmm. Uh, um I know him best from Smallville. He, he actually played Brainiac. Oh no, yeah, you mentioned yeah braininess. this guy. Small I mean,
1: he definitely has a place in our in our collective cultural right. heart.
0: Fantasy. This guy is a part of it. Yep. This guy has been a part of this, and you guys got a chance to talk to him. I I think that our our fans, our audience, would just love to hear this conversation.
1: All right. Well, you know what? Uh, let's just give the people what they want. Magic interview machine. Give us a little James Marsters, won't you? Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody. This is Grimm, and I'm joined by Johnny Heck, and we are talking to James Marsters from the new movie Dudes and Dragons, as well as many other things. But before we get into those other things, James, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Dudes and Dragons, like uh, the tone of the film,
2: and should we even say it? You know, the style is kind of, kind of light and in a way wholesome, because you could probably bring your kids to it with no problem, but it's also kind of naughty. Underneath it, kind of playful, a little bit subversive, um, and, yes, self-aware. Um,
4: uh, yeah, and it I think like it is okay that you're aware. Really comes through.
2: Yeah, because I got to play this character that, you know, he's dangerous, he's destructive, he's really angry, but he's adorable at the same time. Like, there's a little kid who got his heart broken, and so he's acting out and And there's something kind of vulnerable and pathetic about that that I think can you know hopefully be scary but also kind of funny at the same time yeah and, and finding finding that uh, finding that middle ground uh and 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 then getting all those colors in well I think was was uh, what was so fun about playing
1: see it's funny because i I don't know if if it was me and now I don't wanna sell your performance short, I gotta go back and watch it again but that hadn't even so much occurred to me as i thought he's just handling an archetype but with enough talent and class so that he can slip in the the wink and the and the little joke every now and then without detracting from this bravado performance i didn't even realize you would think about it that way as an actor
2: yeah yeah i i uh i think there's a little vulnerable child down deep in each one of us and i think that most villains uh try to cover that up and not let anyone see that they're actually bleeding inside and i think the brave people and heroes are stronger so that they can show that side of themselves to to people around them um and and i and it was just delicious to play someone who doesn't want anyone to see that but it can't help himself and it leaks out anyway uh
1: yeah, <laughs> I, it, yeah. I think that was kind of the source of the humor there. Yeah. He, he did have some cracks, and I, I personally, I would say someone like Hans Gruber
2: from Die Hard, not
1: a, not a vulnerable mm-hmm. child down there. I don't, I don't think it
2: holds up with well, every kind of guy. But. I disagree. I disagree. I think he's just really good at not letting anyone get close to him, and oh. he spent his life preventing that. And he's a genius at being lonely. I, I can see. People.
1: I can see that on stage somewhere, the mm-hmm. origin story mm-hmm. of Hans Gruber.
3: <laughs>
1: so if you've got any theater connections, oh, oh James, we're
2: diehard. We don't care about his inner child. We just <laughs> want that guy shot in the face, man. Uh, but I think I think that if you, oh God, uh, the actor to play, oh my God. Oh, Alan Rickman. Blanking on the gentleman's name. Thank you. Uh, if you talk to Alan Rickman, he, he he may very well agree with you right there. But I don't think I don't think he lived there in his process because I I think that people like that are not really even aware. They probably convince themselves that doesn't that their their inner child doesn't exist anymore. Well. But uh, you know, I think psychologically speaking, it, it's there.
4: Uh, yeah. But I mean, we're we're getting into yeah. we're getting into <laughs> psychology.
3: Well, it's
1: so boring for a podcast. All right. <laughs> and, James, I
4: would be remiss if, you know, again, uh, my partner here mentioned that, um, yeah, he had to almost keep me away because of my nerd love for um, a previous role you played as uh, Spike on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, bravo, well, you sir. You have very good taste, sir.
2: I just, I just will say, you can be unapologetic about uh, loving Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um in in the United States, demographically, it was most popular in Hollywood and most popular in Hollywood with film directors and producers and writers. People that know how to make the product all looked at Buffy and said, that is how you do it. Ooh, so if you like Buffy, right. it's like my favorite wine is the one that people who make wine say is the best wine. Absolutely. And I'm I'm not bragging because I didn't write it, I didn't direct it, I didn't produce it. When you're an actor, you stand on tape and you wear the hair that they tell you and you just try to get your lines out. Uh, But
4: but I am smart enough to know that I
2: was (laughs) – I stomped them with burp. Thank you.
4: Yes. (laughs) Well, we got to say, James, you did (laughs) – I mean, you started off – it was a guest role. You come back, then as a series regular, and then you join, you know, the spinoff show. So don't sell yourself short, my friend. You kind of nailed that role and and just owned it, and then all of a sudden you were – you know, you were you were probably arguably one of the most popular characters on the show, so that's you know not something to be taken lightly. Yeah, and Joss Whedon kills off no, like,
1: every other page. You, you know, come yes, back and you move to another show. Read his
2: script backwards. You got to read that script backwards to see if you're still alive at the end of it, man. <laughs> um, I, but I mean, I I remember Joss came into the makeup trailer once and he kind of he kind of was uncomfortable and he kind of looked sideways at me and goes, ah, oh, just tell you you're. Um, you're a really good actor. And I said, oh, Josh, it's not acting on this show. It's the scripts that are selling it to the audience. Thank you, but come on. And he said, no, 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 you're, you're really quite quite good. And, I, and we went back and forth, and he finally said, would you shut up? I'm trying to give you a compliment. This is not easy for me. And uh, we finally came to an agreement that good acting is not messing up good words. And um, I think when you're an actor, you're like a waiter, and the writer is the chef. And your job is to get the food from the kitchen, get it to the table without dropping the plate. And if you can do that simple thing, the script will make you look really cool. Um, But, you know, acting is important. Uh, uh, There's no writer that can withstand bad acting. The best example of this is bad Shakespeare, which is, for me, the most painful thing, one of the most painful things in life. Uh, So not even a... Not even a a writer as good as Shakespeare can withstand bad acting. So, you you know, a good writer needs people that won't drop the plate. And and that's what I try to do. Um, uh, And so thank you. I'll I'll take the compliment. Um, But the truth is that I was working with nine of the best writers in Hollywood. Uh, Drew Goddard is now getting uh, up for an Oscar this year. He was one of the writers. Uh, Stephen DeKnight helped create Daredevil. Uh, on Netflix. Uh, Jane Espenson is all over the place. Marty Noxon is one of the most prolific, uh, sweetest writers in Hollywood. Uh, David Fury did 24 Lost. He's onto other things now. Um, The list just goes on and on. Doug Petrie, I think he's on Daredevil now. I think he's helming Daredevil now. Um, Uh, The list goes on and on and on. But we, you know, Joss found all of these people when they were unknown. And, um, he read like a thousand submission scripts to find writers that were up to his level and he got them all in one room working on the same dream and that just does not happen that often in the world and uh, it was a bit of a camelot time uh I just can't I just cannot say enough about how good that writing was mm-hmm. and, the, and the and the beautiful thing is no one got to see them yeah I got all the credit for that. <laughs> the only one they're pointing the camera at is me, and if I do my job right, the audience thinks that I fought that stuff up. Yeah, that's the trick and uh so you know all of these geniuses are invisible, and I'm out there getting scooping up all the all the acclaim uh there you see that Johnny that right there
1: is the humble inner child of an extreme narcissist star.
4: <laughs> we just got a little peek in there.
2: I'm not humble. I'm acting like I'm
4: <laughs> And that is a sign of an excellent actor. We're going to, yeah, we're going to now hang your photo on our wall of our podcast, uh, podcast cave here in remembrance of, of this. Uh. <laughs> Thank you. And, and just goodness, on. one more nerd question before, uh, yeah. uh, before I, uh, I get kicked out, um, you know, again, you know, such an iconic character, you know, we just talked about, but with the, uh, I guess, deluge of, uh, um, young adult vampires. I don't want to name names, but how do you think a rock star vampire, you know, a kick-ass vampire that you portrayed would look at some of these young adults, sparkly, glittery, less, I don't know, less hardcore vampires that are popular these days. Ah,
5: uh, <laughs> nope. um, I,
2: okay. I'll say this, that, um, the kind of the, the the neat thing about the vampire is that they're very malleable um if if you write the wolfman you have to make the wolfman a good man that is corrupted by the moon to do things that that uh, disgust him uh if you if you write frankenstein it's got to be if if the engine of that is going to work it's got to be a childlike mind in a monstrous body um if you write the invisible man it's got to be a dick Because if a good guy becomes invisible, what is he going to do anyway? It's not exciting. Um, And so there there are definite rules about most of these archetypes. But with vampires, you seem to be able to kind of change them to fit your needs uh, for whatever you want to say. And, you know, Joss was very specific. For him, vampires were metaphors for all of the challenges that you have to overcome in adolescence in order to make it over that bridge of disillusionment and frustration, you have to, and to get to to adulthood and not give up on yourself and not give up on the world. You have to get through all of these um, hard things. And so for him, the metaphor for vampires were that. And so that's why he made us ugly when we bit someone. He didn't want to make that sensual. He wanted to make that horrific. He used to always say, I don't, I don't like that and rice crap. <laughs> um And so that's the way he used vampires. Uh, And, you know, people are using them differently now. Uh, I think the biggest difference is that the vampire that I played, frankly, was written by Joss Whedon. Uh, And so until Joss goes back and writes vampires, it's unlikely that that anything as delicious is going to come around. Um, Unless there's another Joss Whedon out there that wants to do it, uh, but they don't come around that often. Uh, so, and like, if, if Josh wanted to write Sparkly Vampires, he could probably make something pretty cool. So, what I like to say is, that in a fight between the Buffy vampires and the vampires of of today, uh, who would win? I say, well, the Buffy people, because we demoralize them with superior dialogue first. <laughs> <laughs>
4: They'll make them cry and go home, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
2: Just take them down a uh. (laughs) pagan.
4: That's a perfect, perfect answer. Subvert some storytelling
1: methods on them, and boom, next thing you know, they're laughing when they should cry. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) All right, well, listen, before I let you go, James, I do want to circle back real quickly to uh, Dudes and Dragons again, because at the end of the day in this show, we want to uh, describe the voice that it's in, I guess. I mean, as you said, you read the first 10 pages of the script, still not quite getting it, and then suddenly you clicked. I think for, yeah. for me, it was watching the, the trailer and then thinking, like watching the trailer, by the end of it, I was like, okay, I got it. It's a naked gun, sword and sorcery or something or other. But then wow. watching yeah. the movie five minutes in, suddenly I cl- I'm i like, oh okay, no, it is, it is a little bit different. It does have the elements I'm yeah. thinking of. And I guess how else can you make a trailer for that? But now that we've boiled it down so much, can you give me your take in in just a few words
2: so I don't have to? (laughs) It is a princess bride for a new generation. Hmm. That's my best, you know, and and doing that is a disservice to both Princess Bride and to to Dudes and and Dragons. Uh, (laughs) That's the great thing about a new voice is that it is not comparable to what's come before. That's why it's so cool, uh, and we we tend to want to do that and kind of say it's this movie crossed with that movie and kind of give it that shorthand. Uh, but there are some projects that kind of defy uh, defy that, and and I, I I don't like if you were to say what is uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, which is one of my favorite films. What is that? What two movies does that cross? And it's it, like it just doesn't. It's a, it's a new thing um but it is you know uh, dudes and dragons is is wholesome and naughty at the same time uh it's brave and unapologetic uh but loving and that's the best way, that's the best way i think i can kind of sum it up
4: hmm. that that was that's pretty good that's pretty good i did get, really
2: I, whew, thank you you, you said Princess <laughs>
4: Bride and it clicked with me I was like yeah that's maybe we're yeah it was definitely familiar and i and i got those tones the kind of the upbeat the kind of humor but seriousness mm-hmm. um it's yeah. treating mm-hmm. the
1: story with as much care as any very serious story would be they are tongue-in-cheek but at the same time they don't insult anyone's intelligence or take away from the story you know which are pitfalls yeah. that other put like that your highness i think yeah. that was a misstep because two of the characters seemed to be into it and the others weren't I, But this one,
2: everyone this? got it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it works. And, and I I think that you have to be pretty brave to do that, especially as a filmmaker, because you you were, you were, you're going to be spending years of your life on this. You're going to be spending a lot of money on this. Uh, and, and, uh, you really have to believe yourself to, to make something that hasn't been done before. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's, uh, that that's independent movies, and that's why we still
1: have them. Yeah. But now the the face of them are changing. You couldn't have you couldn't have made a movie like
2: this ten years ago, even without a studio.
3: Nope,
2: nope. And the studio would have changed it, uh, most likely. Most often, they would have made it less
4: interesting. I hate to say. Yeah. Well, that's where the mo- That's where creativity goes to die inside the studio executive's office. I think. <laughs> Bless them. You know,
2: without studios, we wouldn't have so many great films. There's there's great works coming out of studios all the time. Uh, But at the same time, sometimes that process really takes good ideas and makes them less interesting. That happens too.
1: Mm, I guess guess there's a balance out there.
2: Somewhere in between, we'll find
1: it all on Netflix.
2: <laughs> exactly, and, and you guys be the judge, man. <laughs>
4: that's exactly right. Well oh, we try. I have very, uh, quite a few scathing comments in the in the uh, in the review section of Netflix, so I'm quite on my way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you go, brother. <laughs> You're the gatekeeper, man.
1: All right, James. Well, thank you so much uh, for someone who likes to talk about himself. You sure had a lot of good things to say about other people here today.
2: Oh, thank you, thank you. I'm very lucky.
3: Yeah, and the movie was
4: a was a, a very pleasant surprise. Really enjoyed around this table, and uh, some reviews we read online uh, seem very positive. I think you're well on your way. So to all involved, awesome job, and um, we'll definitely get the word out for you.
2: Yep, yep, you got right it. on. Yeah, tell people check out the movie; you won't be sorry. Yeah, yeah you. It's not a waste of time.
1: I I think you guys are going places with this. Uh, listen, uh, anything else you want to plug on your own? I don't know if you got any, uh, any dates or anything you want to push out there.
2: Oh man, I don't have that in front of me Yeah, I've, I've got so much coming up. I've got a, um, got a movie called Abruptio Production. It's a really disgusting, horrible movie, um, that I never would be part of usually. But when I got to the end of the script, it all meant something. It all comes to a head and means uh, there's something to take away there that you can keep thinking about. Uh, it's about a world where people uh, mysteriously implant um, explosive devices in the population's carotid arteries, and they force the population to kill kill each other. Uh, and it's just horrible. But it's being done with puppets. Oh, and so it's going to be – it's a big risk artistically. It's, it, and if it works, it's going to be absolutely brilliant. Um, also – uh, going to be back in the studio recording uh, um, The Harry Dresden Files, which is a series of books by Jim Butcher that uh, always get on the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, I think 12 out of the top 15 audiobooks in the U.S. are these books, oh, wow. and I've been lucky enough to read them um, for years now. Uh, very popular. People, when I do conventions, people often come dressed as the characters from the books. Uh, so it's got quite a following now. Um what else? Just I was just in the the booth again doing voiceover work for DC Universe Online, uh, which is a big video uh, game uh, where you get to play as any hero you want or any villain you want in the DC Universe, and I play Lex Luthor. So if you play evil, I get to order you around and belittle you the whole time. Really? Uh, and that's really fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I keep getting notes from the director. That's a great take, James, but can you be more of a jerk, please? Yes, I can. <laughs>
4: I Wish I could do that at my job. <laughs>
2: oh my god! Yeah, people say, "Do you want to, Is it better to play villains? You're like, "Oh god, it's, it's so much better."
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, can you describe yeah. to me Lex so. Luthor's vulnerable hidden child then?
2: Oh man!
1: Wow.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, yeah. Let's see. I bet he has long Luther. hair.
4: Did the, the inner child instead of the <laughs> <laughs> His inner child has long hair?
2: I think Daddy didn't love him. And I think he's mad at Dad, and I think that uh, I think that Mom died early, and Daddy he was, he was never good enough for Dad, and he's rebelling against that father figure, which is why he hates Superman so much. Hmm. Ha! I, I still
1: kind it. of feel like you pulled that out of your ass, but it's it's good. That'll work I on absolutely paper.
2: Absolutely did.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> absolutely did. You can smell it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, well, hot damn, I had no idea. I think just about every segment of the population will at least hear your voice at one point.
4: James, it's an absolute <laughs> pre- pleasure. Thanks so much. And anytime you have something going on, we'd love to chat again.
2: Right on. I'm sure we'll talk soon. You guys are great.
4: Hey,
2: look!
3: <laughs> <in> Dragon Pride! <laughs>
5: Wow, neat! Give me a break. ranger barbarian magician thief
3: cavalier and acrobat i am dungeon
1: master your guide in the realm of dungeons and dragons
0: you remember that cartoon marky oh, dungeons and dragons loved. i can't this is that com- that that bit of audio is basically why we are doing this show that audio right now in that cartoon is it it owns a huge part of my saturday morning recollection. No. I loved that show. I did not play the game Dungeons and Dragons. You know, where I grew up it just wasn't we just didn't do that. I don't know. It no, nothing against it. It just it wasn't This week, boy. You were on the west side of Albuquerque. I was in the valley. <laughs> um valley people didn't really do that. We were too busy fighting for our lives. Um or playing basketball. We I don't know. <laughs> but no, we the only way out. <laughs> we, we just I but I remember that show. Um and I remember having one of the figures from it. He was like the the guardian. He had he was all muscular and then he had like this like blue helmet. I don't, I don't know if you had this toy no, yeah, I, I know it's. I didn't I didn't have it. Yeah, yeah I know I mean, what you're talking about. This particular figure had a place with GI Joes and superheroes and I mean this figure was well used in my imagination yeah. you know like he fought off many yeah, a cobra attack ne- Yeah right? exactly he was like the secret <laughs> weapon or he was the, you know he was um but yes I love that show and it actually touched on something that I think is is very important in pretty much all fantasy and this is why guys like your dad you know might feel a little that it's a little easy yeah. and it's that Fantasy tends to be very well laid out for you. The the archetypes are there. Even as recently as a couple of seasons ago in Walking Dead, you know, obviously an awesome show. It's been covered on the Matty P Network a lot. We've interviewed oh, yeah. a, we lot a lot of those people. But this, like, idea that in, in the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon on Saturday morning, there was an archer. There was a samurai, yeah, or a everyone, sword wielder. Like, got
1: their special weapon, exactly. It, and and that that whole setup there is it's basically paying homage to the fact that it's when you set up a character and you're yes. like, ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make him a thief. Yep. He Uses a bow and arrow and a dagger, and he can, and get, he can get into things, that, and he could and he he could it. steal,
0: he could do this, and do yeah, it. yeah, and but that that in itself, like that is defining fantasy. It is the it is how you place the archetypes that's the secret of good fantasy yep. fantasy all fantasy is all the same star wars falls into this it's all archetype mm-hmm. right but it's how you place the figures how you play your game how you play the board you know that is the fantasy and it's it's amazing what what you see and um at the same time even as new as something can be it's also familiar mm-hmm. you know Uh, fantasy works in that way. It plays on both ends. It's how you play the pieces is the difference.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, I I think the most important part there and you got it right is that you get to play the pieces Mm -hmm. when, when you are an active participant in it. Fantasy is so much better. I think Yeah. otherwise you've got to be take you know, just sitting there as a passive audience member, it better be one hell of a storyteller that you're listening to or else you're just not going to care about this made up world. But if you've got a stake in it, it's a different story. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's which I think, and this this is this is getting to the heart of the issue and why I want to talk about it is that that was such a stigma. I don't think it's as big a stigma now, but back when I was in school, is oh, you play Dungeons and Dragons you are an avowed nerd. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was part of
1: it. I mean, that's the big <laughs> yeah. 80s 90s nerd stereotype with mm-hmm. the, along with the, you know, taped glasses
0: yeah.
1: and the pocket protector is you probably play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And I think there was there obviously was more of us than we would admit back then because then we, you know, made the Lord of the Rings trilogy in the 2000s
0: worth billions of dollars. It was a um What's the word in literature where you uh have like a premonition where you try to you try to set up the future? Menage a trois. Menage t- it's a menage a trois. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a premon not not, not premonition, it's a, fore- a foreshadowing. It's a foreshadowing, right? And um I think we were all kind of a part of that. You know, and that's what Saturday morning serial, this show right now, is about that. It's about what we grew up with and what grew up with us. Yep. Right? And so here we are, we're talking about all this stuff. Fantasy is a big part of what we watch. Pretty much, you know, uh, not all of Marvel movies are fantasy, but Thor definitely is. Yeah,
1: you know? that's that's got you know, a yeah. very sword and sorcery yeah.
0: twist to it. A lot of their shows right now are starting to veer into the fantasy part. There is that kind of line between, you know, it was all these nerds playing this game, yeah. right, and you know I, again i didn't play it but i didn't really know much about it mm. so I, I can't really I, i'm not really a part of this conversation necessarily i knew this i knew about this game but i didn't know anybody that was playing it but in a weird way um i kind of learned about this game when i got into the series called freaks and geeks Ugh. and it really highlighted a bridging of these of the two kind of subcultures um the very last episode of Freaks and Geeks, which we all know of. It's you know, it stars everybody that's in every Hollywood movie now. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's right. Um this is if you guys have not seen this series, well, I'm gonna spoil the hell out of it for you here. Um the very, very last episode, which was an unaired episode, one of the first comic cons that I ever went to back in like oh four maybe, I'm not even sure. Um they premiered the this unaired episode, and this is when I got into Freaks and Geeks. James Franco character, who was kind of, he was on the freak side of this, but he was like the good-looking, kind of cool guy. The bad guy, he was smoking weed and drinking, and he had the blonde chick girlfriend. Um, he ended up having to take AV cl- um He used to he had to be into the AV club because no. he was caught doing something, and so he was stuck with the geeks right and they were all younger than him and they were kind of wimpier and all this other stuff and they there was a little schism between the geeks whether to accept this guy who was cool and good looking and had a girlfriend and smoked weed mm-hmm. to allow him into the the AV club to accept him as an equal they ended up liking him they ended up inviting him to play Dungeons and Dragons that, that
1: that sounds like uh, the the theme of our show right there. Yeah, we want everyone invited.
0: And he had a good time, and he invented an elf character named Carlos, which was funny, right? Because you don't an elf an elf not named Carlos.
3: No, not usually, <laughs> but it could
0: be. It could be. It could be. But he he had a good time. And the geeks appreciated him, and he appreciated the geeks. It's that bonding. Exactly. It,
1: which is great. Which is, uh, that's exactly why I think it's worth talking about on the show. That's why I bring it up. Yep. That's why I know you didn't play Dungeons and Dragons. No, nope. I know now for a fact. I played a little, I didn't actually play, but I made a lot of characters. I that played the video game. I remember that. Hey, we all played a video game. Mm-hmm. Good good work, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, try. I try to get accepted. <laughs> but you know, that's that's one of those uh you know, freaks and geeks takes place uh right around uh, a little before we were in school, tiny, but more or less that horror. that, yeah, that yeah. era. Yep. So I think it speaks very well to exactly what we were going through then, what culture was, and now at this point I'm not saying everybody everybody in high school now goes home and plays Dungeons and Dragons or anything but the the idea of it there's so much legitimacy to it now
3: mm-hmm.
1: that we've got some really good movies some really good stories behind it uh, and it was there earlier but it was like Crawl or Conan the Barbarian or Beastmaster where it was very it was you know you gotta have some some guy in a loincloth with a lot of muscles and it's gotta be you know swinging action movie yeah now with stuff like Game of Thrones where Peter Dinklage
2: yeah,
3: you're
1: is right. such a formidable character even though
2: man the man himself stature.
1: is about four yeah. feet tall. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, you know, He doesn't have to be Arnold Schwarzenegger to get people to watch this kind of thing because it's so well done. Mm-hmm. And we've all kind of looked around the room over the last 15, 20 years and said, you know what, I, th- I think I'd be okay with, with watching some some sort of yeah. and sorcery.
0: And you know, if it's good. And let's not look over the fact, and we've been kind of going on and on about the Dungeons and Dragons thing. We just, on this show, we just brought you James Marsters. Yeah. And this guy... um, Address that, because I think you... He's a legend in the fantasy... You know, world. Yeah. He's he played Spike in on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? I mean, this is this is a
4: huge,
0: this is a huge event in pop culture. Yeah. in the Whedon I think is how it's uh, popularly referred to. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, you know, Spike is up there with Malcolm Reynolds and Buffy. You know, this is he's an important person in our world. Yeah, I think the character is
1: supposed to be killed off instead of being killed off. He goes on and on. Even joins another show
0: called Angel, which was a spin-off. Yeah, which was a spin-off, right? I think that's what you yeah, call it. Yeah, 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 Um So, and he's been a part of just. The, I mean, uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to pull him up. James Marsters. But you mentioned Brainiac. From well, Smallville. I'm going to get to Brainiac because you guys didn't cover it.
3: <laughs> well, maybe
0: you
1: should do the interview. I
0: will next time, apparently. But um, but yeah, so. James Marsters was in yeah, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He has um he was in The Witches of East End, he was in Warehouse thirteen, um, he was in uh Caprica. Let's not forget that. Um he was in uh Torchwood without a trace, he was in Angel, we, we already covered that. Um the guy has been in kind of everything. We could almost do uh, that one guy about James Marsters if he wasn't such if he wasn't such a recognizable figure every time you see him. Mm-hmm. Marsters sticks out. Marsters is a part of him is his own character and he succeeds in every show that I've ever seen him in. Namely, he still to this day is the only real life action Brainiac that's ever been presented in TV or film. Uh, uh, his rendition of Brainiac played as Milton Fine in Smallville. Um, it's one of the best characters of the series, a series that lasted 10 years. He was, he was rich in depth and in character in, in study. Uh, um he, Basically kept that show going, you know, for three of its ten years. His character arc, Mm -hmm. he was fantastic in Smallville. Uh, And to have him on this show is a huge um, pleasure. Mm -hmm. And I just, I cannot let that pass. I mean, this guy is a huge deal. It's his good looks, ripped body, amazing acting chops, dreamy eyes weren't enough. This guy is also a mad badass musician as well.
1: That's right. Uh, Ghost the Robot is the name of the band that he's in. Uh and the subject even came up while we were chatting. Check this out.
2: Uh and then uh my band Ghost the Robot, uh we're all over iTunes. You can get all of our albums on iTunes. The latest one is called uh, Bourgeois Faux Pas, which is French for middle class mistake. Uh we're a a respectable pop rock band that other musicians respect. And uh, uh, we are getting back into the studio to, to do our uh, fifth album. Uh, we're beginning that process now.
0: He could sing. He was good looking. He could yeah. act. He sounds I like mean, a real James a, Franco on Freaks and Geeks he's to me. a
4: real James Franco, this <laughs> asshole.
0: But, you know, but he's really amazing. And I just, I don't, I don't want to let that slip by of how an amazing, amazing um, pleasure it is that he is on our show.
1: There you go, everybody. Markie's
0: yeah. creaming his pants. I am. James
1: Marster, <laughs> and we hope you out there are doing the same. Absolutely. But you know, James Marsters wasn't the only person we talked to about Dudes and Dragons. We're not done with you yet. Well, that's right. We also, I also at least got to sit down over the phone and talk with uh, McLean Nelson and Adam Johnson. Yep. Uh, both of them star. In Dudes and Dragons and McLean Nelson also happens to have uh, written and directed it. Yeah.
0: So Talented that's guy.
1: that's a lot for uh Is for he one the He Man
0: looking one in this in the movie? Yeah, he's he's the he's the blonde one. Yeah, he yeah. yeah he looks like He Man to me. He even has like the little you know the... do, yeah. Yeah. He uh, so so, Man, another
1: I can't believe we didn't mention that. Another sword th- and sorcery absolutely.
4: property. Probably that the we best grew ever
1: yeah, that we are. No. Yeah. Both both the best and the worst. Great stuff, that Mm He-Man. But I digress because I'm talking about McLean Nelson, Adam Johnson, Magic Interview Machine. Get us over there, huh? Uh, Let's do it. Meanwhile. Hey, McLean. Hey, Adam. How are you guys doing today?
5: Doing well. Doing well.
1: Excellent. Excellent.
5: I would say
3: I'm doing great, but my dad would say, oh, really? No, you're doing well.
1: Wow, you got one of those dads too, huh? Yeah.
3: (laughs) Luckily, he's in heaven now, so he
1: doesn't have
3: to bother me anymore. Oh, wow. We're starting off real, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we are. Anyway, we're talking to uh, McLean and Adam today about dudes and dragons, which sounds a lot like Dungeons and Dragons, but sillier for a reason that's it's uh it's, it's a sword and sorcery spoof uh but that looks like it's got enough action and uh revealing costumes and bad magic to qualify it as actually like a fantasy movie. Yeah,
5: uh, yes, sure. and, and you know I I'm always care I'm I'm co-writer co-director and so I'm always careful with the word spoof because it it, it for this movie I think it homage is kind of my word for it. There we go. Uh, more so than a spoof a spoof kind of makes you think of like Mel Brooks or you know um which I love Mel Brooks for what it is but this is definitely more homage Just and more a of like Just more of a, a straight comedy. Yeah, yeah comedy action comedy so we we won best film at, at a Dragon Con in Atlanta and you know same type of um feedback we've been getting that hey this is finally a movie that lives up to the trailer and doesn't have all the best trailer and the movie kind of is disappointing,
1: see now there we are that's that's a good uh example of why you know just just to write something off if you hear it's a spoof or a satire is a mistake because you guys got the the win at Dragon con. These are not people yeah. who, who don't take the genre seriously oh
5: yeah oh yeah that that was that was a big badge of honor for us, you know just because yeah those. These are I mean DragonCon if you have you ever been, Dan? I haven't
1: I haven't been to Dragon Con yet.
5: Dragon Drag, Con is serious Dragon over, Con yeah. is serious business. I mean I've been to Comic Con and that's huge. And this is only second big second to Comic Con San Diego. But these guys are I think more hardcore. They they party later, they you know, it's non stop there. And they go all night long. The cosplay is insane. Ring. Like, like an hour and a half long parade, right?
2: Maybe yeah,
3: mm. the
5: parade goes all through town. It, anyway, so so to win that award there with like that is our crowd, you know that or those are our fans, and you know that was that was big for us Cause people do they they do kind of they're a little tentative when they hear oh, it's spoof parody comedy, you know, but this is coming from you know we're we're part of that culture, it, it, we came from a place of love for the genre, and. um anyhow i think it i think it comes across in the movie
1: no well i think i'm glad you brought it up like that because this is uh this genre comes with such a strong fan base and uh and especially nowadays between game of thrones and you know all the lord of the ring movies there's it's got a lot of mainstream acceptance and that fan base has expanded quite a bit but it's, yeah. it, it is just built in to, you know, since Tolkien first wrote Lord of the Rings, there's going to be a smaller segment of the population who just goes apeshit for this kind of thing.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: I think it, you know, and it goes back to back in high school. I played a little Dungeons and Dragons. A few other people did. We weren't very open about it, but we enjoyed it. But it was still kind of (laughs) something you you wouldn't necessarily share. You wouldn't rush out and recruit new people if you didn't know them. But right. now it's it's a little. I mean, I don't know if the kids are you know having their sex parties while they play Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know what they're doing nowadays. <laughs> but it's been a long road for people like me and you. I think. And yeah. have we reached the promised land, or is there still a little bit when you wanna when you wanna make a movie like this, whether you know whether it's tongue in cheek, homage, a spoof, or a straight ahead real fantasy movie? If you're not Peter Jackson. Do you get away with it yet? Is there still are there still hurdles within the industry with this sort of thing?
3: The fan, well, definitely—it's uh, winning over the fans is, is uh, getting the fans to give us a chance. There's a lot to watching. Like, what is this? Uh, a little leery, and I think they're and based on kind of stuff that's been produced in the past, I think that they've been burnt before. They've had high hopes. Like I said, like you said, there's a. People go nuts for it, that kind of stuff. The specific.
5: Crowd. If you do it right, yeah, you yeah. got to do it right. I it, love this whole genre. Yeah. There's got to be. You, you can't just say do something in the genre and everybody in that culture is going to embrace it. You have to kind of. You have to touch on something that they really connect with, and um, which is hard. It's it's hard to do, but it it, it can be done, and that's kind of what we're seeing with this. Is that you know you don't have to be dead serious like Peter Jackson you know that people people in you know the comic-con crowd this culture they they like comedy just we like comedy just as much as everybody else you know so we and we we can we can have a little fun with ourselves and with with the genre and but you got to do it right you know so there's has been other movies that kind of it's like condescending almost the tone of like can you believe that people are into this this is ridiculous kind of w- winking at the camera like how ridiculous is this whereas Dudes and Dragons, we play very much like we we play the comedy so real, we play all the moments so real that it, it you can you know we're just a part of this and what we're enjoying kind of
3: you know yeah you have, we have real human reactions to circumstances and crazy things that are happening, but we're still human and sometimes when you're a human you you laugh and you see the absurd absurdity of situations you know and. uh yeah, I think we we kind of keep it true to to the life of the uh to the world. Yeah.
1: You treat the subject matter with respect. Even if you have yeah, one guy giving another guy a purple nurple.
3: The yeah, subject exactly.
1: matter is respected.
3: Right. Yeah, cuz you're going to there's going we're brothers in the movie and it's like, man, as brothers, you beat up on the old, younger brother or with the younger brother you you know whatever there's still a relationship even though they exist in this worlds believe with these crazy things happening dragons and orcs and all this stuff
5: still they're very human this film is very much like i said it it's set in that fantasy world and we take it very seriously but adam's character who's ramechus in the movie he is very he's the one guy that kind of is questioning like you know when someone says Something like you must get the potion by the third day of the, you know, and and sometimes that seems ridiculous. What does the third day have to do with anything? He he'll question these kind of things that everybody's just taking for granted in the world of the movie. He's kind of the dude. Uh, it, it's kind of funny because Adam in real life looks like a lot like Je- a young Jeff Bridges uh, <laughs> from <off really young. laughs> from you know the from the Big Lebowski, and he he's kind of it's kind of tying like a little bit of the um the colloquialisms of today and you know we have some of the language we have that especially through Adam's character is more modern but it it, it kind of fits you know in the purple nurple stuff, some of that fits in to our culture today but we're kind of mixing it into this you know kind of seamlessly into this old fantasy world so but it, it works i mean it it ended up working
1: well, I think I think that's actually important because, again, like I said, this is such a tricky uh, genre to work in that if you're going to do it right, you can't just ignore the voice of modern skepticism that everyone's going to bring yeah. into it unless they're the absolute rabid fan base that maybe you don't even right. want to encourage too much. But to have someone yeah. in the movie say, well, why has it got to be the third day or something – that yeah. gives all yeah. of us watching like, yes, I was wondering that. I didn't want to seem like a dick, so thank you for bringing it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly,
3: exactly, and the, yeah, that. And I, I, I did a lot of stand-up comedy. We've done a lot of. McLean and I met doing improv, and it's all different. It, the humor for me is looking at things slightly different than everybody else, just slightly like, like exactly like you're saying. Like, hold on, now, why,
5: who, who, who's the first one that said three days? Where's this coming from? Let's let's fact check this, you know. <laughs> Where's Snopes.com for medieval uh...
1: spells? (laughs) But again, we are talking about the fantasy genre, so you have to swallow some of that. I mean, you do have to suspend enough disbelief. But I appreciate it when a filmmaker doesn't outright insult my intelligence. So it's a tricky line. You guys appear to be walking it well. You sound like you know what you're talking about. Where can I catch it? I know I can pre order the DVD on Amazon right now, but where else on March 1st can I find it?
5: Yes, you can also pre-order uh the digital copy on iTunes right now. Mm-hmm. Um it'll be available on Amazon uh digital as well and then at Google Play as well. So and then yeah, then you can get the physical DVD on Amazon and it should be it's it's going to be in Walmart's nationwide as well if you want to pick up the copy old fashioned like. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: some some of us still like to do that. We ride our dragon yeah. down to the Walmart.
5: That's right. Yes, yes, On the right. first
1: day of the third month.
5: Yep. <laughs> As you do. Fifteen days prior to the Ides of Mark.
1: <laughs> All right. All Thanks right. a lot, you guys. Appreciate it.
5: Thank you. All yeah. right. Have a good one. Good All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Ooh,
2: it looks like trouble. (laughs) (laughs) I can see why you'd want the sugar crisp cereal. But why take Granny?
1: We just want her to make more of these tasty, brown sugar and honey-coated tops of wheat. Hey,
2: she doesn't make them, but she'll always share them.
1: They're here. Masters of the universe. Princess of power. You can get two miniature play characters.
0: And a chance to win the complete collection. Details Details on on these
1: specially marked packs of both cereals now. There you go from from the windswept plains of Lachmadu to the western shores of Sandyago. Is that where we are? And yes, The far western reaches across the southwestern desert. It's right. Uh, uh, I don't it's 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 hard to to write it, that
0: schlock, it isn't is. it? it, it it's, Maybe your dad will have a new appreciation after hearing this show. Oh, well, he's not going to listen to this garbage. <laughs> Probably not.
2: <laughs>
0: but I really liked... Uh, good job with those interviews. It was awesome to have James Marsters again. It's amazing amazing uh, pleasure to have him on this show. I wish I could have been there for that, but thank you for great the great interview. Such thank a good sport, you for too. the ghost of Johnny Heck to fill in for me on that one. That's that true. Wish great. we could have him here to record right now, yeah. But yeah. Uh, schedules are schedules. Schedules are schedules, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do our best here. Um, but yeah, you guys have got to check out this film. It's available right now, March first. Uh, it, well, it's out now. It's out so now. Go and get it. You already uh, missed the red carpet Star- premiere. It's funny. It's really good. It's uh, I really liked it. And there's. Um, I counted probably like four Star Wars references. There's Oh, at least well. There's, there's the Princess Leia, There's the, the Princess hologram. Leia video thing, mm-hmm. but it's it's, a, it's done it's done very it's very cleverly sorcery instead of hologram. And then there's the Tuscan Raider bit, mm-hmm. and then there's um there's another one. And there, yeah, there's like four Star Wars. There's references. there's so
1: many references throughout it. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. But I've watched it twice now, and I keep catching other ones.
0: My radar is just on Star Wars all the time. So yeah. I'm like oh a Star Wars, a Star Wars, a Star Wars, and you know, I, just these guys. Um this whole film is a tip of the hat to the fantasy culture. Yep. And it is, is, as he as uh as McLean said so well, it is an homage. It's an homage spoof. not a, exactly. a parody. Absolutely, absolutely. And they do it really, 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 really well. So uh this movie gets the uh Maddie P presents Saturday morning serial thumbs up. Um we think it's well worth your eight bucks. Yeah. Check this out. Go get even if it's fifteen, twenty bucks, I think it's still worth it. I think it's, it's like seven bucks on Amazon. I think it's nothing, maybe more, maybe less. It doesn't matter. You pay that much for a large popcorn at a theater.
1: Yeah, you stupid consumers, <laughs> idiots, <laughs> idiots. So take our advice. <laughs> All right, before I lose it on these stupid idiots, uh, I guess that's about enough of this.
0: I've had enough of this. Now
2: we know,
0: and knowing is half the battle.
2: D-I-T-O-
0: oh, this is enough of this.